Gracious Lord, we pray that you would um, teach us more of your truth, that you would help us to receive and share more of your love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The story is told about the um, Irishman who, growing up in Ireland, he was very involved in the church many, many years. But at some point, there were some twists and turns in the road that, that led him, distracted him, led him off the path, and he stopped attending church. And this went on for like more than a decade. And then there were some more twists and turns in the road, and he eventually felt like he was called to go back um, to church. And so he was, um, it was a small village he lived in, and everybody knew who everybody was and what have you, but he decided it was time to go back. And so he remembered, and he thought to himself, the best way for me to start back is going to be to begin with confession. So he heads off to the church. He remembered what time it was. He remembered where it was and everything else. And he heads off to the church, and he opens up the, the uh, confessional booth, and he st steps down into the booth, and, he's, and he looks, and he's like, wow, they've really improved things since I've been gone for the better. Because he looks up, and there's a, a bucket of ice, there's a big tumbler, there's a bunch of soft drinks, some Irish whiskeys, there are some um, snacks, and all of this is around there. And he's like, this is awesome. They've really improved. He gets the tumbler, and he, he pours himself a drink and everything. About that time, the door opens, and Father O'Malley steps in, and, and he says, Father O'Malley, it's just amazing what y'all have done. This is fantastic. Y'all have improved everything. And Father O'Malley says, you're on the wrong side of the booth. <laughs> today, today, we actually are going to talk about confession. Um, we are at the middle point of uh, this season of Lent. And um, I want to talk about, I've already talked about what sin is. We've talked about temptation. And today, I want to talk about this thing that, that's confession. And, and I really believe wholeheartedly that this is a gift to the church. It is something that is free. It's something powerful and amazing. And it's something that's really underused. And so I want to devote a, a sermon to talk about it. And I want to ask a favor as we begin. I want to ask if, if you will do this for me. If everyone in the room for just a moment will close your eyes and do this for me. If you have ever done a one-on-one -on -one confession with a priest in the Episcopal Church, Raise your hand, and I'll report the results, but just raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. Now you can open your eyes. About 15% of this room, 10, 15% range, have done this. So that's where we are. So most of you have never done it, and I want to talk about it. Um, and here's where I want to go. I want to talk about what it is. I want to talk about why we do it. And I kind of want to talk about how it fits into the whole um, spiritual landscape, the whole spiritual journey that we're on. How, how it fits. That's where I want to go. And so the beginning place is to just simply ask the question, what is it? And if you've ever noticed, um, we don't have the prayer books in here, but if you ever go look at the prayer book that we use and you look at the very back of it in the 800s pages, um, you'll see that there's a thing called the outline of the faith. And it's a little outline of the basic things that we believe. And there's a section that talks about this this thing, and it calls it a sacramental rite. Now, I don't want to split hairs this morning. If you want more detail, there are more details, but I just want to say it's a sacrament for a minute. And when we talk about sacraments, we don't always sit and talk about what is that, how do we understand that, what have you. But I would say it this way, you know, as we live out our spiritual lives, we encounter God's grace in all kinds of ways. 
we encounter God's grace in reading scripture. We encounter God's grace in, in saying certain prayers. We can encounter God's grace in the words of a friend. We can encounter God's grace in beautiful places. All these, I mean, there are lots, I mean, there are thousands of ways that we encounter God's grace. But as a, as a gift to the church along the way, we would say that the Holy Spirit led the church to understand that there are seven ways in which whether we feel it or not, whether it's one of these moments where we say, oh, that was a God moment or whatever else, there are these ways where we know God's grace is there whether we feel it or not. One of those ways is this, this sacrament of penance or reconciliation, that it's one of the ways that we encounter um, God's grace. And when we talk about sacraments, we're talking about something that's always going to involve some kind of outward sign that also has with it an inward and spiritual grace. So when we talk about communion, the outward sign is the bread and the wine, but there's some kind of mystical grace that we get in it, right? That's where we are. And there is on this as well. And I want to put up the definition of it. So in the, in the background of the, of the uh, Book of Common Prayer, this is the way it defines it. Reconciliation of a penitent or penance is the right in which those who repent of their sins may confess them to God in the presence of a priest and receive the assurance of pardon and grace of absolution. So you get this idea that it involves, it gets its name from this part about how we confess to God in the presence of a priest, but we get this assurance of his pardon and we get this, uh, this grace of absolution that are involved. And when you start looking at it, the, the beginning place to think about it is in the giving this gift, God has given some kind of authority to the church. And we'll talk more about what it means apart from this, but, but this is a gift where God has given this certain authority to the church. And um, when you go to confession, so there, is, there are two rites in the prayer book. If you go look at them, there are two different ways that confession is done, and usually the priest will pick. But when you're done with, say, rite one, you've, you've gone through the confession part of it, um, the priest is going to say, by the authority committed to me by the church, and he's going to go on from there. That ever since before the Bible, think about this for a minute, before the Bible was done, before the 400s, when the Bible's put together, the early church has already said, this is one of the gifts of God. And, you know, James 5 is going to talk about confessing our sins to one another and all these different ways the scripture is ultimately going to, going to go into this. But one of the passages that people talk about the most is John 20, which is um, where Jesus is with his apostles and he's this moment where, he, where it says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, he says, whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. So he, he's got this group of leaders, these apostles, receive the Holy Spirit, whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. And, and the church has seen that through the ages is God saying, we're going to give this authority to you. It's from God, but it's God's the only one who forgives sins. But you're going to be able to say it. You're going to be able to pronounce it. You're going to be able to do this in, in certain situations. And so there's this certain authority that goes along with this. And so we talk about this sacrament. We're talking about it's a sacrament. We're talking about an assurance of pardon. We're talking about this grace of forgiveness in it. And so I think the really natural question for us is then to ask, well, every time we gather here on Sunday, we do a general confession. And we're going to do that in a few minutes. 
What, why is this different? How is this different from that? And why would I do this and not that? Or how, how do, why, why do this? I mean, ultimately, the question is, why do this? And before we look at the spiritual piece, I just want to say something for just a second about harboring deep secrets that we don't, we've never told anybody. I said this a few weeks ago, but there was a study done that says the average number of um, completely secrets that you've never told anybody that the average person carries is 13. That's, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking that may be high. I'm, I'm feeling good about that right now. <laughs> but, but, we all, but the point is that we, that we all carry something. And then they've done these studies um, from a psychological perspective that people who carry deep, dark secrets have never told anybody are, have different health experiences. Like some of them are super objective, like um, that they get more nausea and more headaches and more, um, more, I mean, even things like the flu, which I haven't quite figured out how that could be, but maybe your tolerance is down somehow, but the flu and all these different, they have more health issues in general for the people. And they're really, and, and when it really gets into some of these studies, they're talking more often of people who are harboring trauma, sexual, sexual trauma, that they've never told anybody about the stuff that's happened or whatever it is. But these ideas that when we hold on to these dark, these dark secrets of some one kind or another, whether they're our fault or not, it has a consequence. And then we start thinking about the spiritual piece and we start asking, well, spiritually, why do we do it? And I was looking at this, um, I was reading part of this preparation about um, one of the canon laws in the Church of England goes into... It's really a passage that's about how the, the priest is meant to have the seal of confession as one of the most sacred confidences anyone could ever have. Like, you're, like a priest is never, ever, even go to prison kind of thing, supposed to re repeat anything from the confessional, right? And so the canon law in the Church of England talks about this. But the first part of it, when they're explaining this, they give some of the reasons about why we do this kind of confession, this is from the canon law in the Church of England. If any man confess his secret and hidden sins to the minister for the unburdening of his conscience and to receive spiritual consolation and ease of mind from him. So, I mean, those are the, some of the big reasons they give. The unburdening of his conscience to receive spiritual consolation and ease of mind from him. And then it goes on to basically say, zip it, you can never say anything about it. Um, but this idea of unburdening our conscience, if we carry around deep secrets, it, it is a massive burden. And, you know, the illustration I'll give on this was one that I heard in the last uh, couple years. It was on um, NPR. They do this segment where, um, I'm trying to remember the name, maybe somebody's going to help me with this, but they have this thing where people are making audio records of things and they're being recorded digitally and put into a repository somewhere. And every now and then, uh, NPR will pick some of them and play them on the radio. Does anybody know the name of it? StoryCorps. StoryCorps. That's what it is, StoryCorps. I was trying to remember it. StoryCorps. Well, there was one of these I heard in the last year, and I'm not, I'm not tenderhearted per se, but like this one really got me. But it was a story of, it was a guy who was in his late 80s, a physician. Some of y'all may have heard this and will remember it, but he, he, um, he told this story that back in the late, 1930s when he was about eight or nine years old that he found out where his mom kept a bunch of cash and he stole money from his mom now the maid they had was um, this woman of color 
who was a single parent who had children, and this was one of her main jobs. And the mom came to this boy and said, did you steal the money? And he lied. And he said, I did not. And the mom assumed the maid did and fired her in the middle of this great need for money and everything else and whatever her consequences were going to be. And this man, now in his late 80s, clearly this is what's haunted him for these 70-something years, that he lied and she was fired in this terrible time because of his lie. And now he was, he was confessing it. Now the whole United States was hearing it at least. But I, I thought about it and I was just thinking about what a burden he's carried. I wonder every time in the silence of his soul if that's what ate on him every time. And I think that's why some of these deep, dark secrets will do to us. They will eat us alive. And so part of the gift of this thing that I'm talking about at the church is meeting with somebody, another human. It's the priest under this vow of secrecy and saying, this is my deep, dark secret of what I've done. And I know how it's pushed me away from God and from other people and, all this, and from my own self and putting it out there and getting to hear these words from God that are authorized saying, okay, God's got that and you're forgiven. It doesn't mean the consequences go away. It doesn't mean there's not the pain and the ripples and all the things that happen. But it's an understanding that you've been heard, letting you know God knows it and that God forgives you. And there's incredible power in that. The Archbishop of Canterbury has talked about this recently, Justin Welby. He, he's described this, um, he, he's an evangelical, I should add along the way, but he says it's enormously powerful. And he goes on to say, and really uncomfortable. But through it, God releases forgiveness and absolution and a sense of cleansing. That's, that's ultimately what's behind all this. And, you know, the final thing that I want, so that's the power of it. And the final thing I want to I go into is like, how does this fit into our spiritual journeys? Like, how, what do we do with this? How do we think about it? And I want to go into um, an Anglican um, little saying or aphorism where we have this saying that says um, that, all can do this, none must, and some should. All can, none must, some should. That's kind of how we've come to think about this confession piece and what we do with it. And this idea, starting with the second one first, that none must. I mean, we're of the mind that when you come to Christ, you're forgiven. And this idea that even beyond that, as we, as we sort of walk through life and we, and we commit sins, that if we bring those to God with a contrite heart, he's going to forgive us. Like, you don't need to meet with a priest. You don't need to do the, even the general confession we're going to do. If you come with a contrite heart and you're sorry and you repent, God is going to forgive you. And you can think about a number of different passages. This one I'm going to read is from 1 John. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's going to forgive us. I worked with an Anglican priest who's now a bishop in England who used to say that when you come to Christ and accept him as your savior, um, that you are given this sort of eternal bath, that you're, you're um, cleansed from sin sort of once and for all. But he would sort of describe that as you walk through life while you're still here, that you get dirt on your feet. And so he would say the general confession we do each week is about washing your feet. But he says, sometimes you get in a little, it goes up to your calf. 
then maybe that's when you need to go meet with somebody, right? You need to go say it out loud and hear those words said. Um, some of us sometimes feel like it went up to our chest on occasion, but um, this idea that we want to hear those words. So none of us must, all of us can, because it's this great gift, but some of us should. And the some of us should, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, that we can step into something where we have a tremendous burden, where every time there's silence in your soul, that's, this is the voice you hear that's telling you about this wrong you did, and you can't let go of it. And you, at some point, need to, need to confess it. And I think sometimes we think about it being these grandiose sins. And sometimes I think it could be just the timing or where you are. When I was in third grade, my boys are not here today. When I was in third grade, a friend and I, I won't go into the details on this, but we killed this frog. I'm just going to, I won't go into the details of it. But it haunted me all the way into adulthood, what we did to this little frog. I mean, it was a sin against nature. I'm going to say it that way, that we, we killed him. And, um senselessly, needlessly. And it sounds like such a small thing and a silly thing, but I promise you that for me for the longest time in the silence of my soul was the thing that ate on me. And I took that to confession one day. I'm, I'm gonna break, I'm gonna say what I did on that. But there are lots of big things and small things. But it, the thing is, I would say to you at a practical level, if you've got something that you've said your confessions and you've talked about it with God, but you still feel it just incredibly weighing on you, that's when it's really appropriate to go meet with a priest and make an appointment and do a confession where you um, sit down and say out loud before another person in this role with the authority what's happened and hear their words of forgiveness. Because to go back to what the Archbishop of Canterbury says, you, you'll get this sense of cleansing and the sense of release and freedom in it and doing that. Um, this is a free gift. And I want to say just two final things as we end. One is... Um, I think this may be one of the first times we've done this here, but if you look at the schedule for Holy Week, you'll see that this year we've added a time for confession. There's a fixed time where people can go to Beth, the Bishop Moore Chapel and there'll be a priest there for confession. So you might want to, if this is you, if this is part of what you're carrying, you may want to do that. But I also want to mention that any time of the year, we don't say it enough, but any of the clergy on the staff are willing to meet with you for this. You just call them up and say, I'd like to make an appointment with you for confession. And when you meet with them, they're going to turn you to the pages in the prayer book where we're going to say certain prayers. And then um, you'll say the things you need to say. You'll finish the prayer. You'll sit down with the priest. They're going to say a few words of advice, maybe. And then you're going to hear their words of absolution. And it is a gift. It's an absolute gift. So I encourage you to, um, to avail yourself of it and to really, if that's where you are, I hope you will. Or if you know somebody who is, let them do that. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us so much in spite of our brokenness and our sinfulness. You never give up on us. You meet us with your love, mercy, and grace at every turn. And you've given us these gifts that we can hear those words from you. And Lord, whether we do that or not, may we know um, the joy of your forgiveness. And may we share it with a world that needs it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.